this is found in Luke 2, uh, Luke 1, rather, and we're going to um, look at that. Um, but just by way of review, um, this, this hymn of praise that was just an, an unexpected outpouring of her heart of gratitude and of wonder that God would call her to be the mother of the Messiah. Um, we call it the Magnificat. It's from the Latin because she, takes, she speaks about magnifying the Lord. And, and it's very similar to another song that we see in the Old Testament that Hannah, another woman who was amazed that God would call her to do the unexpected, and that is as a barren woman to be entrusted to bear one of Israel's greatest prophets, Samuel. And Mary opens her mouth in song, recognizing the greatness of God on her, a lowly servant, who now would be called blessed by generations to come. So stanza one was what God has done for Mary, and today we're going to focus on stanza two, what God has done for us. So before I pray, I want us to read the word of God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read today verses 50 to 53. Luke is the third book in the New Testament. So we have Matthew and then Mark, and then we come to Luke. And it will also be on the screen for us. So Luke chapter 1, and we're starting at verse 50. Mary says, And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Join me as we pray. Oh God, our Father, the maker of heaven and earth, God who was God before the world began, God who became flesh and dwelt among us, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that we can sing your word. Thank you for the privilege of reading your word. Thank you that we can bear copies of your word here in your house, and I thank you for this opportunity that I now have to delve into your word with your people, and I pray, God, that the words that I speak will be your power flowing through me, and I pray that your daughters and your sons would have open hearts and open minds to hear what you want to teach them, Holy Spirit, aside from anything that I have to say. And God, we thank you for the beauty and the power of your diverse kingdom. I thank you for the privilege that Chris has down the road to share your word with our family at St. Bartholomew's Episcopal Church. And I pray, God, that you would bless him. I pray that you would keep him. I pray that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit right now as he preaches the word of God. I pray that they would receive the word as it's spoken through him. I pray that you would bless us all this day. Thank you for our children, Lord, how they have already prepared our hearts to receive your word through the beauty of your gifts being favored on them. Thank you for your servant leaders, Lord, Felicia and, um, and our other ladies, Lord, who uh, diligently serve to, to nurture their gifts and to encourage them that we could receive their gifts here in the body of Christ. Thank you for the beautiful work that you're doing. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. 
And finally, we thank you for Mary, for this woman who was highly favored. Thank you for the song that she sang. Teach us, Lord, the songs that you want us to sing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So most of this prayer that Mary prays is focused on extolling God. And I must say, it was convicting as I looked at it in detail this week. Because so often the prayers and the songs that I sing in response to God are not filled with extolling and exclaiming who God is. If I'm going to be honest, they may be filled more with my complaints or my thoughts about what's going on with me. And so to read that this beautiful song and these three stanzas that Mary declares to God are full of praise of who God is. And it also showed me, as we see so many Old Testament phrases in this song, that Mary knew the word of God. It flowed all through this psalm, and we could take hours and compare it. I'm going to just read a few scriptures that you can go home and read with your families over this holiday as you dive into the riches of what Mary has said. We see a constant refrain. Five times she repeats this hook of this song. He has shown strength. He has scattered the proud. He has put down the mighty. He has filled the hungry, and he has sent the rich away empty. Over and over, he has. She understood who he was, and that allowed her to be confident in who she was before him. As we start looking at verse 50, Mary says, his mercy is on those who fear him. And boy, when I sat and spent some time looking at God's mercy, wow, wow. It's a, a Hebrew term, hesed, H-E-S-E-D. And it is God's covenant loving kindness that is continually expressed to his people. It is undeserving, it is unmerited, and it is inexhaustible. It's a quality intrinsic to the nature of God, and it is manifest in his actions that benefit mankind. You know, mercy is one of those words. People say mercy or, oh, mercy. We throw around these words, and, and I think often we miss the richness of what they mean. And so when Mary says his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation, we see Paul talk about God's mercy in Romans 12, 1, a familiar passage. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We see Peter reminding us Gentiles that we also have a place in God's mercy. It is his loving kindness and his covenant with his people Israel that has been shown from generation to generation. But we get included also. He is an inclusive God. And Peter reminds us that God's mercy in 1 Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy... But now you have received mercy. So we are included in God's story of mercy too. It's a 
intrinsic to the nature of God, but in contrast, it, it is not something that we naturally flow in. Can we all say amen? God is rich in mercy. And we need to make sure, people of God, that as we herald the qualities of God, that he, yes, is just, and yes, he is loving, and all of these amazing attributes of our great God, but let us not forget that God is rich in mercy. And it is so convicting when we ponder that his loving kindness is not because we deserve it. We treat people merciful if we feel like it or if it's, you know, in the, we're in the mood for it. But God's mercy is not contingent on his feelings. If it were, we would not be here today. We are beneficiaries of God's mercy. And I pray that we would be in awe of that. And in view of that, we would be dispensers of the mercy that we have received. And so Mary reminds us that his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. You know, Psalm 145 says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. That the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, Psalm 103 says. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. These precious passages from the Old Testament that tell us that God is abounding. It doesn't end. He doesn't dispense mercy to this sister and say, I've run out of mercy for you. No, it is a part of who he is, and it is not a respecter. Of persons. This Magnificat is full of Old Testament phrases that overflow out of Mary's heart. And then we see Mary says, He has shown strength with His arm. And strength with God's arm is a figure of God's power. We see the proud in this passage, we see the mighty, we see the rich. He scatters the proud that he puts down the mighty, that the rich he has sent away empty. They think that they are self-sufficient. Do we? Versus the lowly, the hungry, and as Mary identified herself in the previous verses, the humble servant who know that they need him. Michael Carr talks about this passage as a radical reversal. And a friend of mine, Dante Stewart, who has a precious, precious, I would highly recommend downloading his free devotional. It's called Prophesy Hope. And he talks about how God is rich in mercy. And this season of Advent that we're in, listen to what he says. Advent shakes us out of our illusion that all is right in the world. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, that we must always ready ourselves to be interrupted by God. The season of Advent has a way of doing that. This season holds in tension the good news of divine deliverance, but also the bad news of human darkness. It never quite lets us hold on to our triumphalism. Mary sang this song in the most unexpected moment of her young life. Now, for some of you who may not know the context of 
this Christmas story and you've heard the Christmas carols and maybe you've read it and you've seen pageants and you go, oh, it's just such a sweet story. The Savior was born to the Virgin Mary. But you have to know that it's, it's probable that Mary was a young teenage girl. And in this most unexpected moment of her life, as the angel has come and pronounced to her that she will give birth to the Messiah. And because of the law, Mary knew that this might mean she wouldn't have a future with Joseph because she was betrothed to him. And according to Jewish law, a young woman who was found to be with child, people would assume it was with Joseph. But because Joseph knew this was not his child, we know from the later passages we read in Matthew, as was read this morning, that he thought about putting her away privately, about divorcing her because how could she be pregnant? He knows this is not his child. Both of them know that this could possibly also subject Mary to being stoned, to being killed. This is how seriously God took the covenant of people abstaining from sex before marriage. And so for Mary to say, I am willing, may it be to me as you have said, without saying, hold on, angel, let me, let me take a minute and think about this. Because, you know, I have a plan for my life. You know, I'm betrothed to Joseph. Did you know that? Like, you know, we're going to consummate our marriage and, and then down the road we're going to have children. I, I'm not sure that I really want this assignment. No, we, we don't see that here. We see Mary immediately in this unexpected moment say yes. And then to go visit her cousin and for God to confirm his word to her by saying, see, your cousin has also experienced a miracle. With God, nothing is impossible. See your cousin who was barren, past her childbearing years, but I have gifted her with a son who will be the forerunner for your son, the Messiah. So we must take stock and see the context that this young teenage girl in this most unexpected moment of her life would not only say yes to God's will without knowing the details, how it would all work out if Joseph would remain with her, what her life would look like, but trusting in God what relationship she had with him. And as I've already repeated in a constant refrain, her heart and her soul so filled with the word of God that what flowed out of her in this uncertain moment as a young teenage girl was the word of God. So to our teens and to those who are a few years past teens, what is residing in our heart? And what would come flowing out? And what would come flowing out if God were to give us an unexpected mantle? If he would favor us with an unexpected assignment? What would flow out? What has flown out? Perhaps God has already given you that assignment and you're wrestling with it. Look to Mother Mary as an example of how to walk out that yes in faith. Perhaps that is why she was favored by God, because he knew the kind of faith that she had. He knew that she would say a yes and that she would walk it out. 
Because faith is being sure, right? Faith is not having all the, the details given to us. It's not having the game plan. And because it looks good and I can understand it and I can wrap my mind around it, that now I will say, yes, God, I will cooperate with your will. It is saying yes with risk because I don't know what is to come next. Newly pregnant with the Savior of the world from the fullness of the fruit of her womb, this song bursts forth. She, the favored woman of God, was full of faith because she was full of the promises of God. I have a feeling that Mary was accustomed to hearing the Old Testament prophets being read. Now, you all know this was not in a day and age where they had the Bible app on their phone, okay? They did not have the full copies of the Word of God. We don't know the kind of home Mary was raised in, so we don't know if her home, if her parents had copies of the Old Testament scrolls, if they read those stories at night. Perhaps Mary's only times to receive the word of God was when her family went to the temple for worship. But she was full of the promises of God, and, and I imagine that she was reflecting on this passage in Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9, and the, it will be up on the screen also for us to read. Isaiah chapter 9 Verses 6 and 7. That is all right, Siri. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9. I love our modern technology. <laughs> We're going to start in verse 6. We're going to see the government in the Christmas story. For to us a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, something you have to understand as we see the government in the Christmas story, amen, for some of us who want to leave the government out of our faith, you've got to understand the history in that time Chris and I were blessed to go with some of you to Israel in 2010, and Dr. James Martin, who led that trip, says this about Herod, who was ruling during that time. Herod's tenure as king was marked by his oppressive unpredictability. No one knew exactly what to expect from him, and even his own family members were murdered when he felt threatened by their popularity. In his fear of invasions from the east, Herod built numerous fortifications, including the Herodium. So we see with Herod, another ruler who trusted in his own riches. We see that today from the mouth of our ruler. Herod was so threatened by a baby that he annihilated a whole village of children. And we read that in our gospel accounts. That is a part of the Christmas story. That's an uncomfortable part. We like the sweet baby Jesus, but 
it's more uncomfortable to think about all of these infants who were murdered by an oppressive ruler. And so when we meditate on those words from Isaiah that the government will be on his shoulders, it was very bold for teenage Mary to say in this passage that he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. And that the rich he has sent away empty. She had to be thinking about the regime that she was under. And the challenge for us today is to remember that the regime that we are living and serving God under. That God has seen it before. These rulers are no match for his power. Now I want to say a word to those who are rich. And some of you might go, well that's not me. If you looked at my bank account, you saw what I had in my budget right now, you would know I'm not classified as the rich. But actually, I believe since we don't have a bus stop right down the road from here that most of you probably drove here, and if you're able to read and you probably had something to eat this morning, I know I did, um, that according to the world standards of wealth, everybody in this room can fit into that classification. So just take a minute and think about that. I'm, I'm rich. Um, there's a word for us, and I want you to hear this from First Chronicles, because when Mary talks about the rich he has sent away empty, there's another word about the rich as we look in the full context of the word of God. First Chronicles says, both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And so riches and honor do come from God. And so those who have been given wealth, whatever that wealth looks like, whether it's in material things or it's wealth and faith, wealth of favor, that these are gifts that come from God. It is from his hand. And I believe that it would be powerful for us as we pray for President Trump, as we pray for other leaders. If you are not a U.S. citizen and you, you reside in another part of the world, if you're listening to us or wherever you are in the world, as you pray for the leaders of your country, the leaders of your nation, that we can pray the word of God for these men and these women. And we can pray that they would know that riches and honor don't come just from their hard work. Hard work is a wonderful biblical thing. But riches and honor come from God. And he reigns over all. And for men and women over history and men and women today who get it twisted and think that they reign over all, that is a sober place to be. And this is how we can pray as the people of God. Instead of getting all up in our feelings, and I'm with you. I get angry and things come out of my mouth and I have to confess those things to God. But how about we call our souls and our prayers back to praying the word of God and praying that these men and women would be corrected with God's truth. That what he has given to them, he is the source and not them and not anyone else. In 1847, another bold writer wrote beautiful words that we sing often at Christmas. In the midst of U.S. slavery flourishing, that writer said, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Many of us love these words of Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, 
John the Baptist repeated these words as he was the herald who was the forerunner who declared that the Messiah was coming. He borrowed these words from Isaiah. And we ponder these words today. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I thought about this verse when we were singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. That is who you are. And I'm grateful in this church that we sing the word of God and the truth of God. Israel constantly reminded themselves that God made a way. They went back to Exodus all the time. They never got tired of reminding themselves and teaching their generations. And parents and those who were entrusted to teach the children in this church, and just another plug for serving with our children's ministry. It is the highest calling in this church. Being in, in front of this right here, or being on the worship team is not the highest calling in this church. It is passing the truth of God to future generations. And we will always honor those who invest in our children in this church. In the Exodus, in Isaiah, in Luke, we see over and over and over passing the truth of God from one generation to the next. And they kept going back to Exodus. They kept reminding themselves of history. And of what God had done. They didn't say, oh, that's in the past. We're not going to talk about that anymore. That Red Sea, how God miraculously parted a body of water in a miracle that humankind had never seen before. Even those who had not experienced it talked about it. And then they passed it on to the next. And in that oral history, they passed it on to the next. And then this parent passed it on to the next. And then Mary's parents passed it on to her. And then she, in this unexpected moment, burst forth in song and has passed it on to us. And are we passing it on to our children? And are we taking the privilege to pass it on to future generations in this church and to those who will come? Are we telling them the works of God? Are we telling them what God has done in his word? Are we even telling him, telling them what God has done for us? I'm grateful for so many of you who were humble enough to share your stories. And not just the nice parts and not just the parts that make you look good. But the parts that are ugly and the parts where God pulled you up out of a pit, out of a miry clay. And set you on a rock and established your ways and gave you a new song. It's a psalm that says, and a hymn of praise to our God. I want us to close our time. We have a few extra minutes. And I told Chris I don't ever take as much time as he does. <laughs> and when I have the opportunity to speak the word of God, I marvel over and over the gift that it is. To delve into the riches of the word of God and the humble opportunity it is to share them. 
But during this time of year, I know that for so many of us, there are burdens and there are pain, painful things that we carry. It's a hard season for many of us. For many of us, it's just the reality of the times we live in and the oppression that we see around us. We see in scripture that God is always on the side of the oppressed and there are many in our midst, many in this country who don't feel that anyone is there for them. And yet we read in Isaiah that the government will be on his shoulders and that is a part of our Advent season of this Christmas, of the Christmas story that we revere that is bigger than the pageants and the lovely songs that we like to sing and our beautiful stories. I would love for us to take a moment and pray for our government and pray for our leaders and pray that God would make crooked places straight, that he would exalt valleys and that he would make mountains low, that he would do what only he could do. And I would also ask us to spend some time in prayer for the places in your life that may be crooked, where you need God to make a way for you. He is a personal God. He's a personal Savior. And Mary reminds us of what he did for her as his lowly servant. But then she speaks more of Luke 1 in her Magnificat extolling the work of God for all of us. And then next week, Chris is going to hone in on the work that God has done specifically for his people, Israel. But let's take some time. I would love for some of you, if you would like to come, this altar is open, gather amongst the poinsettias, or if you want to just bow your head in your seats. But I want to lead us in a time of prayer. And I want us to be able to still and quiet our souls before God as we're in the house of God. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh, sweet Jesus, our Savior, born to a humble teenager, born to save, born to be the deliverer. They expected a ruler who would come and rescue them right then and there from the oppressive Roman regime. But you had a different plan. You wanted to deliver them through it, and you did. And we call on you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, we speak the name of our president before your throne, Donald Trump. And God, we know that this ruler needs you. God, we pray that he would not trust in his riches. God, we pray that he would trust in you. 
God, we pray that you would call people to speak truth to power, that you would call modern-day prophets and truth-tellers as we see in the record of your word that those who were called to speak to those who were in the rule did not cozy up, but they spoke truth to power at great risk. They followed and said what you called them to say, and we pray that you would raise up men and women who would do that to our president. And God, we don't just focus on our country, but we look to the entire world, and we know, God, that there are men and women who do not need to trust in their riches. They do not need to trust in their own merit or their own might, but they need to look to you and to your strength because you alone reign over all. And now, God, we make it personal. God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this body today. I pray for those who are listening. I pray for those at home whose health is failing, God, that you would strengthen them right now. I pray, God, that you would allow them to come to the house of God. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who have financial needs, who need to see a suddenly blessing, need to you to appear to them, God, suddenly. God, I pray for those who are waiting on you. God, I pray for those who, like Mary, have been given favor and have been given an unexpected assignment that they did not anticipate, and they are struggling with the weight of that. God, I pray that, like Mary, you would give them the faith and the strength to say, I am your willing servant. May it be to me according to your word. God, we bring our burdens to you. We cast them before you. We know that you are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are not done accomplishing miracles. Your arm is still strong to save. You are still the mighty God and the everlasting Father. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. I pray for brothers and sisters who need to know your peace in their homes, your peace on their jobs, your peace in their children's lives, your peace in their hearts. We take these moments, God, in the quiet and we lay our burdens before you. Our souls magnify the Lord, and our spirits rejoice in God, our Savior. God, we gratefully thank you for being rich in mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness that is better than life. Our lips praise you. We exalt you. And may we share and dispense the great undeserving mercy that you have bestowed upon us. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Jewel.
I think I'm on now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we shared with you um, last week that um, this week would be the last weekend that our beloved Kevin Blanton will be with us as our music leader and director. And so I wanted us as a church family to give him a hearty farewell. But this is what I did. You all don't know what I did, so I'm going to tell you what I did. I went and got him a good gift <laughs> from our church. I went to Jared. And so... <laughs> Because we're not slackers here at Strong Tower Bible. We do some great things. And so I wanted you all to know that you gave him a gift. And so a good gift. And so we want to send him off. Um, we want him to know that he is loved and that he has a church family that he can always come back to. Um, that we will be praying for him, that we know that there is a season for everything. And so though we are sad, we are rejoicing because we know you can't just hold people hostage to what you want for them. You've got to let them go and fulfill the work of the kingdom because we're about kingdom business. So, you know, some people come drag their tombstone. I'm not dragging my tombstone. I'm going where Jesus says, okay? And I want you to feel free to do the same. So, come on, my brother. We love you. And look, you've been silent. I'm going to give you a moment and say something. You have something to say to <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm going to set you up. Okay. We love you, KB. Do you love us? <laughs> um, this is not my forte, so this will be short. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um. I, I just wanted to uh, thank each and every one of you for allowing me to share my gift with you all. Um, my wife would have been here, but uh, she's tired. We have been traveling this past week. So um, I just want to say thank you. I love each and every one of you all. Thank you, Jewel. I wish Pastor Chris was here. Pastor Chris, man, that is my man, y'all. <laughs> A lot of you all don't know, man, but he, you know, he, was, he was around for me when I was a knucklehead still running out here. And I, and I love him too. Uh, you can tell him I, I love, I love him, I love him. Um, just thank you, everybody, and uh, I'll be back. But. Amen. We're gonna believe that. Who's closing? Okay. <laughs> Lord, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you. Oh, oh. I, oh, thank you. I actually put it in my hand. You got. Come on, Al. But we will have Darina come up. Come on, Darina. <laughs> you please just have your say. Thank you so much for being a wonderful first lady. And for those that don't know, Darina's birthday is on Friday. Sweet! <laughs> so, 
As a staff, we wanted to honor you. And we have a little something for you that I know for a fact you will personally enjoy. So let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. in prayer. Jesus, we thank you so much that we have um, been able to get together as your children and worship you. There's truly no one like you. And we thank you. May we not just be hearers of the word that was brought forth, but may we be doers. And Father, I also pray as a woman of God that you used our first lady, Dorena, to preach the word. You also are using Pastor Chris. So they're doing tandem preaching, and that is awesome. And we know, God, the enemy does not like that. So we just pray a holy hedge of protection around them. Father, as they serve God's diverse kingdom. Lord, please be with your people, especially during this season of Christmas and the busyness of it. But may we not be too busy for you because, Jesus, you are the reason for this season. You're the reason for every day of our lives. And may we give our hearts to you in all that we do. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you that we get to bow down and worship you. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Amen.